Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder here on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com and around the world on Arut Sheva, Israel National News slash radio. And uh, first, I just need to do a, a little word on behalf of the network. I want to thank the Nachum Siegel Network partners at Kedem Wines at Royal Wine Corporation for a wonderful kosher food and wine experience last week. Uh, really, it's it's incredible the wide range around around the world of kosher wines that were highlighted at this. I, it, you know, they it's a once a year, although they're doing a number of cities out there, and you get a, a just an experience of Israeli wine, U.S. wine, the Spanish wines, uh, and obviously the best kosher food uh, has to offer in New York was actually quite a wide variety. So if you haven't yet been to the KFWE Kosher Food and Wine Experience. Uh, plan for 2019. I know it's a long way off, but you should definitely plan for it. And I will tell you how much, and is having spoken a little bit of politics with some of the Israeli uh, pro- providers there, which was actually interesting, and just the way they look at representing Israel as part of their uh, as part of their winemaking experience. It's actually quite. Um, and I, w- I went away feeling good, uh, not just. You know, not just feeling good about from the wine, but actually feeling a little bit good Jewishly, Phil. You had some good conversation in addition to the, the good wine. Yes, there's nothing like a little bit of wine in conversation. The only thing that was missing was, like, the fireplace. So well, And, and, and I, me. And, oh, Phil, I, I figured that you were there at the VIP section, that I couldn't find you. That's, of course. Uh, you know, with the waiter service. Uh, <laughs> what can I say? Okay, we're going to leave that site. Phil, 2019, it's a date. I'm very much looking forward to it. Fantastic. We'll get those dates. We're going to nail that down. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you to our friends, the, the Herzog family and Royal Wine Corporation, Kedem Wines, and uh, all the varieties that and varietals that they have there. Uh, we got to dive right into it because, Phil, this, this has like been a week. Uh, it, it's incredible week. I mean, and then the news yesterday with regard to another school shooting it does seem that the only place in the world that has school shootings is the United States. Uh, I, I don't even know what it is about schools and guns and people wanting to go shoot up kids. It's it's shocking. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I have different feelings with regard to guns, and gun policy, and gun control. I think that there's, uh, you know, eventually we got to meet in some kind of middle ground. I, I don't necessarily, I personally don't agree with kind of either side in the debate. But I will tell you, I mean, this is just once again, how many times are we going to listen and watch this kind of horrific news? There, yeah, I, I think I, I'm kind of with you on this. I disagree with both sides on the issue, and, and it's just there's no real answer. I mean, it's funny because now we're no, we don't even get into the politics. We fight after these, these incidents, and, uh, these shootings and these massacres. We fight about whether is it too soon to get into the politics. So we don't even get in. I mean, if you were listening to the news last night, there's a debate about whether we should have a debate on gun control. I mean, that literally, I was listening right. to a back the now forth, is not the time, and now is the time. Right, you know, is now the time, now is the only time. This is the only time we find ourselves talking about it. This is the only time, you know, these are the only times we actually do it. We all say, oh, wait, you know, wait, now is not the time, but we never actually get back to it. I mean, so before you can even have a debate, so think about as a country, um, and as elected officials and as Washington leaders and as, as, as our nation's leaders, you know, think about how dysfunctional we've become because we're no longer even talking about the substance. We're debating whether it's appropriate to debate, and, and that is just not helpful. It's just not helpful. Well, there's not a whole lot of general debate going on in, in D.C. itself. It's, the Congress has kind of taken itself as what's known as taking itself out of regular order. 
everything is done not through a debate process and a member process and a markup bill process, but everything's just presented by the leadership as this is it, take it or leave it, vote up or down. That's the way the tax reform was done. That's the way the Obamacare repeal was done. Uh, you know, you know, John McCain said when he voted no on the uh, repealing Obamacare that that was his beef, not necessarily on the substance, but the fact is that the Congress, we should not operate outside of regular order. Of course, they've never been to Albany because that's generally how Albany works in general. Everything is decided <laughs> without any without any kind of input for the individual legislators. I don't know anything and, about that. And there are other legislator legislatures that operate in that way, very leadership driven, very top down driven. But that's traditionally is not the way Washington has worked. There's been a lot of importance given to committees, a lot of importance given to hearings, a lot of importance given to markups and the process. And a lot of that has been disrupted. Uh, essentially, I don't know, by the extremes, by the south, by the sound bites, by everybody just wanting to kind of score on, you know, used to be C-SPAN, you know, now people want to, I mean, look at Rand Paul last week. I mean, I mean we, we touched on it. I mean, the guy just shut down the government and grandstanded for no reason whatsoever. No, reason. no, no reason. There was no reason at all. Not only that, I mean, the amazing thing is he kept everybody in Washington for an extra day. They could have wrapped up Thursday night. He refused to do that. Everybody had to push him on. They went, the Democrats missed their retreat. I mean, other people missed appointments. I mean, it was really, I mean, in the end, he didn't accomplish anything. Now, that his point was a good point from a Republican point of view. No question. Uh, I mean, this. But that was the point. The, 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 I mean, to, to pardon, I know we, we talked you know, about the wine experience, but the Republicans right now are spending like drunken sailors. <laughs> and Washington right now, I mean, it's incredible when you think about it, with that, that just a couple years ago, they were out there talking about Obama budgets and Obama busting the budget, and here we are going to add trillions of dollars to the debt, and nobody is blinking. You're not getting any debates from me on that. Again, I just I still think it was the wrong thing to do for Rand Paul because again, you don't you don't do it for the sake of doing it. We're doing it because I can because I want to send a message. I mean, I, I want our listeners to think about this. There's a reason why the process was set up the way it was with committees, with hearings, with debate. Right? The idea is is that you take an idea, you flesh it out, you bounce it back and forth, and you come up with something that. That works. That not everybody is excited or is gonna is gonna solve every problem, but something that actually works. What we see now with the gun with the gun control debate is sort of you know the fringe on both sides essentially getting their points and killing anything. And, and you'll excuse my my you know my my choice of words, but but not allowing anything that doesn't agree with their point to ever make it to the floor. And so essentially everybody has veto power. So we just do nothing. It's not the way it should be. I mean, I for even for for all our listeners who are NRA supporters, right? I'm not saying they shouldn't weigh in on on pending legislation. Let them weigh in, but they shouldn't get to decide what bills come to the floor, what bills don't. And so, weigh in and then walk away. And then those on the left can weigh in and walk away. And then there should be honest debate and figure out what's a pathway forward. Now, you and I both agree there's no way to know whether any action would have stopped this or would have stopped Vegas or would have stopped the nightclub. There's no way to know, but we've done nothing. And to say, well, this is not even the time to be talking about this, I, um, I'm i of the opinion that if we're not talking about it now, it's never going to happen. I mean, I don't have to tell you, in a few weeks, sadly, we've seen it time and time again, even after Sandy Hook, a few weeks pass, you know, the world kind of starts spinning right, again. Right, people move on. It's, uh, it's, it's incredible. I, and you think about it, look, clearly anybody who's doing this is deranged. But in different ways. I mean, this this young teenager, this teenager was expelled from school, clearly seemed to have mental problems and had issues. And the question is, what do you do with that? Um, the same people who are kind of who are 
talking about and, and generally I, I hate to make the generalization but it's true are, are who are saying well we need more permissive about guns they're generally cutting mental health resources so i i understand that but but the shooter in vegas probably would never have been identified because he led a seemingly normal incredibly life. normal life and just collected an incredible amount of weapons. Uh, it, it, there is, there's all kinds of the pro, I guess the problem is overall, and who, who, who's to know what happens in the, in the mind of a deranged person, but the copycat nature of it, of wanting to be infamous and has been or just people who are just not fitting into society that's a very dangerous thing and this giving is, them a gun or give, having them access to a gun i mean in the end you're always going to be able to buy a black market gun yeah look the investigation here in, in yesterday's case is going to be ongoing but this is the 17th or 18th school shooting right. this year it's, to me it's like it, this it's, year it's the it's the school shooting that that to me that's the incredible part about it i'd be curious yeah i mean it starts with columbine and it goes back but sure. you know, i'd be curious where the gun came from i mean look he was yeah a 19 well year old, we're all gonna find out he's a 19 year old kid i'd be curious to see where the gun came from and find out what that you know sort of if there's a loophole there right look i don't know if this kid went into a store to buy a gun i'm not sure that he would maybe he did i don't know i, I guess we really don't know and to see if there was something that could have been done to prevent this but it's also a general feeling in this country somehow it's almost like this is going to sound terrible. We've always come, almost come to the point where it's accepted. I mean, 18 just this year, right? That's in the last six or seven weeks that we've seen this many school shootings. So it's it's kind of like... Is that the number? Yeah. 18 since January 1st, 2018? Yeah. yeah. How, how's, how's that possible, right? That's like one every other day. It's... it's it, the, the, the amount of, of violence being created and, and sort of... I don't want to even... By guns. You sure right? it's I don't not to... 18 in the last 12 months? No, I'm telling you. Oh I heard it gosh. over and over again last night. You know, wow. So I was listening to the news. Uh, it was 18 this year. And so, you know, again, maybe not all as big, but but this is, it's becoming kind of commonplace. And what you said, I thought, to open up the show is exactly right. We don't, you don't see these kind of issues in other countries. So what is it that, that we're doing wrong here? What What is it that we're getting wrong here? Why... In, in, in Europe and across the globe, are they not seeing the exact same uh, incidences uh, with guns? I don't know. I don't have the answer to the question, but I also know that not having a debate ever is never going to solve the problem. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And it's just, uh, you know, there was, I, I, but at the same time, I think that sometimes there's going to be an overreaction. Um, and, you know, you have states that have gone, I, you know, I know New York the best. They went ahead and, you know, just passed very quickly in the wake of, uh, of the Newtown school shooting, passed very uh, comprehensive and onerous uh, gun legislation. And, I mean, they went to like seven bullet magazines. Turns out that those magazines aren't even made. So it just, you know, there's kinds of things. And, and now you have gun makers in New York that have shut down. Uh, because of because of this, um, and you know, there's a big divide clearly between the rural part of the America, even the rural part of New York, and the urban part of New York. And you know, my perspective is on this is that in urban areas, people look at you look at people with a gun and you see a criminal, as opposed to in a lot of rural areas, you see a person with a gun and you see safety. Uh, Pico, there's concealed carry people legal. Gun owners are in a lot of America are out there carrying guns, and a lot of people view that as something that makes them feel safer and makes others around them feel safer. The fact is, I mean, who's going to go ahead? I, I, you know, I, I hate to be 
you know, a little bit flippant, but who's going to go ahead and rob a bank if you know that there might be 10 people in there with guns? And or you'll you know, stick up a yeah a convenience store that kind of thing. I'm not, and I'm not excusing it, but there is a big difference between the perspective of those in rural America, as there is as we've seen in this election and our politics have gone rural America versus urban America. Most of the country is now living in urban and suburban America. There's a big difference between their perspectives. It's about perspective and context, right? Like right. you know, I, I remember the first time, and this is goes back many, many years, almost twenty years now, when I went to Israel for the first time, right? And you're walking down the street and all of a sudden everybody has a gun. And I remember the story like so vividly in my mind. I literally I was jaywalking. Um no. And well, it's a good thing someone didn't shoot you. Well, a car had to shortstop, and uh, so I jumped. It was an accident, and I didn't mean to do it. But he literally was holding his gun in his hand. Like, I don't think he was threatening to shoot me. I don't know what the situation, but he literally was holding the gun in his hand in his car. And I literally, like, my heart like stopped. I mean, like, it's just. And then, by the way, a month later, I couldn't care less, right? You know, everybody has a gun, doesn't matter. Like, you know, what. It, it, it sort of it, it does give you at some point sort of a, a certain feeling of, of safety, right? You know, who's going to do it? That guy's got a gun, that guy has a gun. And you see it all the time, by the way. Every time there is an attack, almost instantly, they're normal citizens or police who are responding because they're able to. Otherwise, they'd be maybe another victim. And, and, other, and in these cases, they're able to respond. So, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but I definitely know we need to be talking about it. And, and we need to do something, whether it's on the mental health side, whether it's on the gun side. I think that we need to do something. OK, so a big week of turmoil for the White House, uh, Phil. First and foremost, Rob Porter. They just continue to mishandle this episode. And I said it over and over. I think the personnel issues or lack of personnel in the White House. The president promised he's going to hire the best and the brightest. Uh, as I said, I want him to succeed. But the ongoing soap opera of various White House people. I mean, Reince Priebus is going to be out with a new book. There are excerpts from it in Vanity Fair this week. It's quite revealing about how the president uh, manages his his staff. But the Rob Porter episode is just unbelievable. When you send, I mean, the first thing we both know from any type of crisis management is get the story straight. First, before you go anywhere, gather the facts before you do it. Then you can decide how to spin the story. But don't go ahead and spin and throw everybody out there to, to, to the wolves and then have the story be blown up in two seconds by the FBI director. It's it's just incredible that they wouldn't know this Politics 101. And uh, you could see the absolute uh, frustration from Sarah Huckabee Sanders having to go out there every day before the press and not really know what the real the right story is you know what what exactly am i and, supposed to say and she doesn't know i think and i believe this but she doesn't know because nobody right, has, that's a little bit a little bit better for her like to kind of keep her like not in the know yeah. but she's supposed to know she's supposed to know and and i, I kind of think she wouldn't be able to do what she did if she actually knew the truth i mean it's so it's so hard to cover story on top of a story on top of a story and, and i promised i promised a few weeks ago that i wouldn't you know sort of rail on the white house or, or talk against the administration we haven't discussed this in a while, and I think it, it's worth going back for a moment because sometimes in politics, and I can tell you this from my own personal situation, right? Sometimes in politics, it's not the story that actually hurts you. It's the mechanism in which you respond or don't respond or, or lie about the story after the fact, right? In most instances, bad stories, you know, you put it all out there, you respond, you say, hey, look, here's what happened. You know, it's unfortunate, but this is what happened. Like, let's move forward. And the story usually goes away. It's not a good story, but... 
two days, three days, four days, five days a week. The story tends you to let go it run. Away. You let it run its course, and you let it run its course, and you don't you don't lie. You don't try to cover it up. You don't you don't try to to come up with new stories every single day. You let it go. What this White House has done, right, and what what this administration has done, and I don't know who to blame. I don't know if it's Kelly. I don't. I, I have no idea. Well, I, who to blame anymore? But let the me. First person to blame here is Rob Porter. Well, there's no question. I'm, I'm Mike, this is not about the incident itself, but sort of in, in the, the quote-unquote cover-up. Every single day, the story changed. Every single day, a new a new player in the story came up with a, a nuanced or a different uh, a different uh, opinion or thought or or possibility of what happened or, or a new fact about what actually took place and transpired. And every single day, that became the news. Every single day up until yesterday when the FBI, was it yesterday, the day before yesterday, where the FBI director essentially refuted everything. Right. Said, we gave the file, done, we're not, they, there's the no, White House no investigation ongoing. And that's I mean, that's the amazing part is you, you are, if you're sitting in the White House, you have, and we've said this before, just with the president, being should be the most informed person in the entire world, has access to more information and more data than any other person on this planet, has the ability to find things out or to know things that nobody else, but yet they seem to operate in an information vacuum. And so here it is, Michael. Here it is. I dare and I challenge any one of our listeners, right? And you can do it in the comment section. Tell me how the White House succeeded this week, right? Tell me why and how. We shouldn't actually be scared with the way this week. Well, they was could handled. be distracting you from something. Maybe. By the way, so that's possible because and that because that has been something that. But although I don't think that happened this week, I don't know. But, but we'll they've, get to that, I'm they've sure. certainly done that in the past. I mean, the amazing thing is the president. It took him until this morning on Twitter to go ahead and condemn. Or I'm sorry, until yesterday. Not yesterday. This morning he spoke Twitter. about it yesterday. Yes, correct. Yes. Spoke about it yesterday. Finally, but begrudgingly. He said, of course, I'm against domestic violence. Of course, violence. I'm against domestic it, it, violence. And, and you know, it, it, the amazing thing is the problem is when you tweet about everything, you tweet about things that are totally irrelevant, and you tweet things that are not important. When it comes to other presidents, he can get away with having a spokesman say things for them. But he can't because he tends to opine on everything. And when you don't, people demand it and people are looking for it. I mean, I, I got there's just no excuse for it. There's no excuse for beating your wife or girlfriend or, or anybody or vice versa. For beating your and husband, then, and then if you're the white and house, this person and you get should caught. not be sitting with the most important secrets right. that we have and access to that because they can be blackmailed. And you and I both know, and you and I both know, if on day one the president or John Kelly or anybody in the White House says, "You know what? It was a mistake. It should never have happened. We've let him go. We move on." Michael, you and I wouldn't have been talking about this today on yeah, Thursday. I mean, and, this and, would have been done by Monday, and, and life would have gone on. And to the people who say, "Wow, it's not such a big deal," because you know who knows who he is anyway, it doesn't matter. I mean, look, if a Chinese agent approached him and said, "I have pictures of you. I have this dirt on you. You better start passing me, you know, taking taking pictures of some of these documents." I mean, who knows? Or, or you're going to lose your job. It's. I mean, that's a very tempting thing for a foreign agent to do i mean though that's the issue here that's why people can't get security clearance because there is compromising information on them or they committed a crime in the past or they said there are all kinds of issues and you, you know it it doesn't at this point a year and change in there is no i from my point of view there's no excuse for anybody working in the white house without a security you know clearance. what someone else mentioned to me you know i love it because you know for all those people who are strong supporters of this white house someone said to me this week you can be a strong supporter of the white house and still want everybody to have a security clearance 100 percent. someone said to me well this is just sort of the fbi getting back at the administration uh for for releasing the memo and yes. and, and saying and, and coming after the this FBI. is the vast 
Come on, FBI people. conspiracy. This Come is the vast right wing conspiracy or left wing conspiracy. The vast conspiracy about uh, against this. The amazing thing is, and the what people need to realize is that the people running these institutions are appointees of this president. And if they aren't, in fact, he could replace them and he could put his people in. There is no, there are 3,000 or something political appointees on the government. Many, the vast majority of them do not require Senate confirmation. He could do all these things and accomplish all these things. The fact that he isn't filling most of the top posts in the State Department, the fact that we don't have ambassadors in key countries, and the fact that there are very few ambassadors anywhere is not the fault of the vast conspiracy out there. It's not the fault of the deep state. It's the fault of the administration for not getting around to doing it. And as we go along, maybe we're going to go a whole term without many of these jobs being filled. I mean, it's certainly possible. I, I would say that, that this week was an embarrassment. It was an embarrassment for the White House. It was an embarrassment for the president. It was embarrassment for everybody involved. You know, this is, you know, there, we knew months and months and months ago that that Porter didn't have security clearance, yet we let it slide. John Kelly knew, White House counsel knew, that he did not have security clearance for a reason, and they let it go. And then, after it all came out, they lied, and then they lied, and then they lied, and then they lied. It's not acceptable. You know, at some point, the buck stops where, right? right. John Kelly came into the White House to clean it up, right? To be the adult in the room, to, to get order at the White House, to sort of... You know, sort of, we, they, Ryan's well, previous maybe, was pushed out. Maybe that's he why no he control. felt he needed a guy like Rob Porter there, because that guy was actually competent and he didn't have other people that he. I, look, who knows what the who knows what the issue is. Either way, it doesn't excuse it. Uh, I, I actually want to go to a just different cover up because we mentioned it last week, um, and I, I don't know why this this congressman has become my uh, uh, you know kind of personal favorite here. Matt Getz from Florida. We talked about a lot that he two weeks ago they brought a Holocaust denier to the. State of the Union, Union. and now had basically, um, and there's been going back and forth, he basically denies that this guy is a Holocaust denier, even though this gentleman question actually seems to have no problem admitting that he is a Holocaust denier. And, you know, then he starts going on of, well, I have Jewish friends. The old, I can't be an anti-Semite because I have Jewish friends. I'm pro-Israel. The old old Roy Moore's wife. And then he's, you know, he says that I have some guy, Alfred Balitzer, who is a founding member of the Republican Jewish Coalition. And so therefore, um, however, the RJC actually told uh, reporters that Balitzer is not a founding member. He's not even a member of the organization. And he went, he apparently came to one event over a decade ago. And, you know, the guy said, well, the congressman says, well, I, I don't know. I don't know about this guy, Balitzer, but um, I thought that maybe he was, uh, you know, I, I'm, but I'm pro-Israel, so therefore it's okay. I mean, seriously, you got to get a grip on reality here before you make a fool of yourself as a United States congressman. And, and, and inviting somebody who is, and then calling him a provocateur as opposed to a Holocaust denier is is totally shocking. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Look, the, the answer is very simple, right? And I thought his response right away was like, look, he asked for a ticket. My office didn't vet him. We gave him a ticket. Right. Leave it at that. Leave it at that. But I think you and I can say, like, look, you should. We talked last week. You made week, a mistake. made a mistake. He didn't vet, right? We all talk about you have to vet the guy. You double to, down. Right. Don't just be quiet. I mean, you're a member of Congress, for God's sakes. Like, just be quiet. Don't keep digging your hole. Here's the problem, and I'm going to say this, and I know I'm going to get beat up for it, right? When we see the White House doing what they're doing, there's no more rules. There's no more right way or wrong way. It's just, you know, let's just throw caution to the wind. Let's just 
you know, we'll say what's on the top of our minds today. We'll come back to the podium and say something different, and then we'll come back and say something completely different. And, and nobody even remembers, actually. Nobody remembers. It's, it's nobody true. cares. We're so desensitized There's, there's to so it. much news going on on a daily uh. basis. But, you know, at, speaking of that, there is a problem. There is a similar type of thing on the Democratic side. You know, these pictures surfaced. We didn't talk about it yet. Of Louis Farrakhan going to a Congressional Black Caucus meeting years ago with Barack Obama was there. They intentionally suppressed the pictures. It never came out. There's a whole thing, a whole brouhaha going on. The amazing thing is it's you know the ADL actually put out a statement in the uh, uh, I think this week you know that it's extremely disturbing that Louis Farrakhan might have been visited a CBC meeting that he would not have been repudiated and you know here we have I think there's there's a problem here on both sides uh, with everybody kind of embracing their crazies uh, <laughs> you know and, and, I like that. and look they're embrace the crazy well yeah but I mean Farrakhan has long has it, you know was well known as opposed to this guy who I, I think admittedly perhaps the congressman didn't know that this guy was a Holocaust denier and he probably wouldn't have been there but Farrakhan was kind of a well-known person and there have been a lot of flirtation between you know Farrakhan, I don't want to blame Keith Ellison you know specifically obviously we've talked about him and his past as a past national nation of Islam person but um the uh but you know i mean phil i mean the, the perception is that the democrats are you know they're weak on israel not just weak but you know there there are a lot of democrats who are anti-israel i agree and look i i'll come right out and say it there was a surface this week a good friend of mine congressman greg meeks also in 2013 attended a meeting with you know keith ellison and um, and other other members of uh, other members of Congress together together with the Iranian president and Louis Farrakhan, and so again it raised sort of that question. This is 2013. You know whether you knew about it that then it was public. It wasn't. You know there was there's no been no rumors that it was squashed or kept quiet on purpose. And you know look oftentimes and I have said this over and over again. I think this is the perfect segue to to the to the point I think we wanted to close with. There's, there's so much going on when you're in elected office, right? There's so much more going on than what you see when you read it in the paper or just sort of a photo that you know what was the meeting about? What was going on? What were people doing there? What was the and it turns out and, and sort of the the meeting with Congressman Meeks had had over fifty people in the room. It was with actual moderate uh, imams who were talking about how do you combat the extremists. Apparently, Rouhani was there like he wasn't sort of even the focal point of the meeting. It was more the imams and Farrakhan was there, but also like it wasn't like he was planned or it was portrayed. I mean, I read the articles this weekend. It was portrayed like it was this like private secret meeting dinner where like no, it, was people, a, it was an open meeting. It but was an still. open meeting where people came. And so like, yeah, but know, I got to be honest, if David Duke walked into the room or some kind of promenade, you would, you, you, you know, you, you disavow. I mean, you say like, OK, I'm sorry. You know, you don't belong here, sir. OK, you know? so so look, I, you know, again, I can't tell you what happened there, but right. I can tell you is but, that there but, are people who have. But as you said before, it's the cover up. It's the fact that the pictures were buried and they were asked Agreed. to be buried. And look, they, I, know, I, I don't disagree with that. And, and if the question arises and, and I've had these conversations with elected officials on so many different issues. If the question arises, and I've always said, you jump right in front of it and you say, look, look, here's what the here's what the meeting was. Here's what we did. You know, I can't say. I think you and I would be hard pressed to say, well, there was a a a, a an effort to cover the you know to cover it up. I don't know if that's the case. I think that once it is, it does come out and things are exposed, then I think you should embrace it head on and and say, look, look, here is exactly what happened. Here's exactly what was discussed. Here's why we did what we did. Let's move on to the next. And you can't ask for more than that. Right. Right. Okay. So, Phil, two uh, two points, I think. Chuck Schumer and Andrew Cuomo 
both had pretty astoundingly low poll numbers for New York, uh, you know, for Democrats in New York. Uh, a lot of, and the amazing thing is most New Yorkers in, in Quinnipiac poll do not want any New Yorker. That includes Cuomo, Kristen Gillibrand, and certainly Bill de Blasio to run for, for president. But uh, Chuck Schumer's approval rating is down at the lowest it's been in 20 years. I think for, number one, I think uh, on Andrew Is that Cuomo, all about Rubashkin? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, on the Cuomo front, it's got to be the Percoco trial, the corruption trial, the ongoing corruption that, this, that the Cuomo administration has seen or quote-unquote covered up. And I think that is going to continue... I think that's going to continue to bring Andrew Cuomo down, especially as we get into re-election and, and Republican challengers continue to point out, um, you know, mistakes that this administration has made in, in, in corruption. On the Chuck Schumer front, I don't I don't think it was uh, Roboshkin. I don't think it was at all. I mean, I think I think, you know, considering that Chuck Schumer is the minority leader and, and is doing what he's doing in Washington and still finds time to go to yeshiva dinners and go to the JCRC breakfast and go to to go to JCC breakfast and to be sort of ever present across New York, I give him a ton of credit for. But you would expect the numbers to go down because things these days have become highly politicized. It's not a, a referendum on Chuck Schumer himself. I think it's more of a referendum on, you know, sort of we're, we're in a more polar, a more polarizing political state. Right, but that you would figure that would be good for him, given New Yorkers being highly partisan, highly polarized. Yeah, but why do you know? It's it's a common misunderstanding. Um, you know, sort of New York is a blue state, right? New York City is a blue city. New York State, you know, again, while still would would elect statewide electors who are Democratic, you have a, a significant portion of conservative and Republican members. And I, I, quite frankly, I worked for Chuck Schumer in in two thousand in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, when the Roshkin. Uh, was sentenced. And I can tell you from my personal experience that I was there and I know that Chuck Schumer, while he thought Roboshkin was guilty and should go to prison, I thought that he thought that the sentence was was disproportionate and shouldn't have been that high. And he at the time and I was there because I was on those phone calls where he tried to be helpful uh, at the time. And and quite frankly, you know, anybody who says differently is is just making up stories. I was there. I you know sort of was was a witness to it. First hand testimony here. I was a witness uh, to it. Okay. You know, well, you know, hopefully that will not uh, bring uh, Chuck Sh the House of Schumer down uh, over this over this issue. But uh, I I tend to agree with you. But hey, look, I I who knows what the exact I don't know where this story got out there that he was not uh, he was not helpful. But that's it here. Oh, our, our spin of the week. That's going to go back. I'm going to give that to. Uh, to President Trump, January 21st, 2016. Uh, that was a year before inauguration. And he said, we can balance the budget very quickly. I think over a five-year period, and I don't know, maybe I could even surprise you. Well, surprise, guess what? The budget is not balanced. It's actually going to be way... I mean, it's going to, the deficits are going to be much larger. The debt's going to be much larger. Uh, so we will have to see if it's going to be so easy for the president to go ahead and uh, restore this country's fiscal health. That's it for this week here on Spin Class. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs here on the Nachum Siegel Network.